be in Romans chapter 14. You can be turning to that area of the scriptures. And um, I don't think I'll be real long today. So Now, as we've studied the book of Romans, we move through the doctrinal section of the book of Romans in chapters 1 through 8. We continued through the dispensational section, a very difficult section uh, of Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. And now we're firmly planted in the final section of Romans that deals with Christian duty. Now it began with chapter 12, where Paul seemed to take a, if you can imagine this, a tucker full of toys and just dump them on the floor. That's the way I looked at that chapter he called us to the work of putting those pieces to get together by, first of all, giving our life to the work. To present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is really, he's saying it's your reasonable service. It's just the right thing to do after all of what Christ has done for us, is to give us our all for Him. Now he began in that chapter to kind of pick up the pieces to identify the work we are called to. He identified, listen to all this. This is, why, this is all what's in just this one single chapter. He identified the necessity of humility. He then spoke about the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to each of us and how to use them, how to hold them. He moved us to love, to abhor evil, and to cleave to that which is good. He spoke about kindness honor and preference in the brethren. He spoke about business, of all things, about serving in fervency of spirit. He started laying out other pieces of rejoicing and patience and prayer. He spoke of giving to the saints in need. He told us to be hospitable. 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 Hmm. He taught us how to respond to those who would do us wrong, to not curse them, but rather bless them. He taught us how to respond to others in different situations and circumstances. We are to rejoice with those who would rejoice, and we are to weep with those who weep. He gives us a stark warning not to get high-minded, but to live honestly and peaceably with all men and to not exercise vengeance, but rather overcome evil with good. That's why I said it's like the whole set of Legos laid out on the floor for us to put together as a unified body of Christ, known as the church. Then in chapter 13, Paul lays out just a few rules for us to build within. The first being under the protection of authority. Then to build with charity. To work no ill to your neighbor as you work closely together. Then to work with a tenacity. To work knowing that you have a timeline to finish. We need to see each day as an opportunity. A gift from God to honor Him in our lives. To show trust, obedience. To be in love with God. To be one with Him. To live out His perfect will in and through us. But we must wake up, he says, and seize the day. And take hold of opportunity to please Him. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No man 
that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, as I prepared to preach on Romans chapter 14, I kind of saw this as the rules of engagement as we work together toward a common goal. I see it as a lesson how to keep your nose where it belongs. A whole chapter on this. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Is that what our conversation's about with people? Let it only be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, about lifting God up. This is where our conversations need to be. He says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul Chapel uses striving together. That's where he gets that from, is striving together as a unit. Now we have a lady, <coughs> excuse me, who works part-time at our work <coughs> in a shared cubicle. Her name is Heather, and she is Kristen's sister who works full-time at HACO. <coughs> she has a couple of children, and by the stickers on her car, and yes, she is one of those who stickers her car up. <laughs> her sister does too. You know that she's not ashamed by these stickers of being a mother. Got bears, you know, on it. She's a mama bear, you know. It's pretty interesting. But in her cubicle, she has some interesting pictures and statements on the wall. Now, I have to admit, some of them <clears throat> I don't completely understand. <laughs> but there's one sticker which I fully understood, which was in the form of a post-it note, which read... Mind your own motherhood. <laughs> and I had to chuckle at that one. <laughs> there so, I, I understand where that's coming from. Today's message out of Romans 14 bears the tenor of that message. The title of today's message is Mind Your Own Christianity. Mind Your Own Christianity. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you in this Romans chapter 14, may your Holy Spirit speak to our lives. And may we see it correctly. May we not go off in a tangent to support who we are, how we are, and those sort of things. But let us see what you truly are saying in this chapter. And may we change our lives accordingly as you speak to our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Now, I want you to exercise your imagination a little as I get into Romans chapter 14. If you know anything about me, I'm kind of an imagination kind of person. We just was up here. We were catching uh, crabs. Anna was up here and Joe, and we were I was showing them how you catch crabs. But we had to imagine it, you know, a crab coming up and a chicken neck, and we were pulling it up, and the crab bites, and you pull them up. This is how you do it. Pull them up real slow so they don't know it, and they get close to the top water. Malachi, you'd love this. It's a lot of fun. And you just, you got to be real careful. It's a different kind of hunt. It's really what it is. And they get up close where you can see them. And then somebody has a net. You got to be quick and sharp. Wham! And you get them. Pop them in the pot. Let it down again. And you'll feel them. You got to lower it way down there where you can't see them. And they'll, you'll feel them like just 
doing this on that chicken leg. You can pull it up, get another one. So today, I want you to exercise your imagination. Remember, Romans chapter 12 is like that big container of Legos being poured out onto the floor at once. <laughs> if you have a good imagination, you can see in your mind's ear the sound of those pieces crashing against each other and against the floor, especially if it's a wooden floor. In your house, Beth, boy, I'll bet that's quite the sound and quite the, the spread of crashing pieces. And kids love to do that, don't they? I just, wound. That's kind of what Paul just dumped a lot of things in chapter 12. In your mind's eye, you can see the parts scattering all over. And in your mind's awareness, you can feel the excitement of the children. <gasps> They're excited. And the gasp of the parents as they see a humongous mess that will have to be cleaned up at the end of the day. Or if you're like me, or perhaps as I paint the Apostle Paul and how he looks at things, you would see a logical approach, gathering all the like pieces together first. Who, some of you would be like that, some of you wouldn't. But Paul would be one who, let's put all the little one knobs together and the little twos, and then let's put the colors. Before we even get started to build, we just start to separate out those pieces. Now I'd like for you to see chapter 13 as imagine the parents coming to this situation, and they're setting up a few rules for all to follow. First of all, a call of authority for players to, or all the, the participants in this building project that's going on together, uh, for them to abide by. Whatsoever those rules are. No throwing. No eating. <laughs> no expanding the play area. It's got to be within here. And usually all the rules end with, you're going to pick up every piece and put it in the container when you are finished. You are then given an all-encompassing rule to work in love, which Paul defined in that chapter as working no ill to your neighbor. Okay, you picture this, there's the kids. Now you behave and you work together nicely, right? Then finally there's given a time limit of play. Maybe it is not stated exactly, but you know the time is limited, so you're not to dawdle around, but to get busy and enjoy building together. After all, isn't that what Legos is all about? Building and completing great works. And isn't that what a Christian is all about? Getting the Word of God out to the world and working together as a unit. Now chapter 14 is a picture of a bunch of kids working independently yet cooperatively together. Or should I say working uncooperatively together as they work together, they begin to what? They begin to bicker. They hit each other. They probably throw some of the blocks, knock others' things down. They begin to boss and tattle on one another. It's called disunity. If James, a great leader of the church, which we found out as we studied the book of James not too long ago, would come upon the scene, he would say in James 4.1, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? 
I think you all know what I'm talking about when you see this. Uh, but if not, I invite you to my house when all the grandkids are playing together and we dump that big pile out and see what happens. Or Abby will gladly invite you to her classroom where I hear her say all the time, it's almost a repetitive thing when she gets home from school. As the kids get together and they bicker, they start telling on each other, she tells them to take care of you. If everyone takes care of themselves, everything will be just perfect. It's no different in the adult church world. We laugh at that. But here are we in the same thing. James 3.13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. God gives us rules of engagement when we work as equals together in a common goal. We already talked about the macro forms of governmental authority in Romans chapter 13. But there's also another form of what I would call micro-government policy that is to be exercised on a day-by-day, person-to-person interaction. I believe God has given us three predominant guidelines in this chapter, in Romans chapter 14, as we strive together in unity for the sole purpose of giving glory to God. One of those is conviction. There's three C's. Conviction. Conviction is an excitement to the end. Now, a lot of times we think of conviction in the negative way is when we're convicted of something. We're convicted of our sin, and that's going to come under a little different heading. But really, we ought to have convictions. This is, I'm full out. I, I want to live for God. I'm convicted to do this. I, I you know... This is what the Bible says, and this is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm doing a convicted life. It's an excitement to an end. It's being fully convinced of something and going after it. It is the individual leading of God in your life and the power to seek and accomplish it. But it's a right that observes the same rights as others. In other words, you're not on your little island. In other words, when you're playing and you've got your big building, you got going and your neighbor over there has got his building, but you need some of his blocks, so you grab his blocks. That's not, not it. He has his rights, too, to build how he wants to build. You know, the United States Declaration of Independence, I'll tell you what, I get more and more I read into our country's foundings. That, oh, what an amazing, what wisdom they had that God gave them. It says in there, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life and liberty 
and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, we make rules, we set up our government to protect us that we all might pursue life how we see it to be, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of liberty, the pursuit of life. So guideline number one in this chapter is conviction. Guideline number two is conscience. Conscience. This gets more into the conviction part of it. What Was what I did right or was it wrong? But not according to your standards and beliefs, but according to what thus saith the Lord. What does God's word say about it? Paul said it like this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 5, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Many a people go about God's work in a crooked way. David exercised his conscience. He realized something, something we need to realize. In Psalm 139, 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, Jeremiah knew the human heart and the need for God to work in it. He said in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need God's Word to reveal things, to build a conscience within us. So we have conviction. We have conscience. And then the third C, consideration. We're going to see this all in chapter 4. We'll get to it. Consideration for others. Is what I am doing being a stumbling block to others? Or are we being building blocks to others? I just wrote here, we ought to consider Jesus first. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. And then we're to consider others in our walk. Hebrews 10, 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. God's will for us, if you think about this building process for God, is never to be in conflict with God's will for, for somebody else. We are designed to work together. Now with these thoughts, let's jump into Romans chapter 14. Uh, if you're there, hopefully you're there. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. I'm going to give you in my words. We need to receive people in the Lord, people who get saved, but there's going to be some like differences and some strange things. Don't make a big to-do about a bunch of nothing, about a bunch of stupid stuff that we talk about. We find out we, we talk about a bunch of 
stuff that are doubtful disputations. I mean, it could be fought over here, it could be fought over there. It never really comes to an end, and we sit there and spend a lot of time in these areas. He says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. So you have the meat eater, and you have the vegetarian. You know? <laughs> one believes one, one believes another. I believe the scripture's telling us let's not get involved in that stuff. <laughs> it says, Let not him that eateth, verse 3, despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received it. In other words, we don't need to be talking about you should do it this way and that way and all those sorts of things. You know, you think about it. when you, There's always that kid who's playing in the pile of Legos that comes over to the other kid and says, you can't build it that way. You've got to put the big pieces and then the smaller pieces. And the other kid's got you know, small pieces and he's building He can do that. No, you've got to do it. You build it how you want. You should have all the colors this way. This is the right way. You got your colors all mixed up. You, you know, that's the kind of stupid stuff we get involved in. And don't think you don't. <laughs> we don't need to be thinking about these things. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master he standeth or followeth? Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. He's got his mommy and daddy. You don't need to be telling him what to do, but we do this. Christianity sometimes. It's just like the kids playing on the floor. Just watch it one day and say, "That's I need to avoid that. One man, it says, esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, I lean on every day's alike. <laughs> you know, and I could, you know, pound the scriptures and say, you know, the Lord's day is every day. You know, somebody says, no, Sunday is special. That, those aren't, those are disputable. It doesn't really matter, okay? Um, I know Brittany is on the end of Christmas. Is that she is probably out of the whole group here. Christmas is, wah! <laughs> right? You know? But I'm out there with the lights. <laughs> Why do we do this? <laughs> you know? But she don't judge me. I don't judge her. You know, we work together, you know? I try to help out. You know, got mom's little star going. She was really upset. I plugged that thing in and it just, it won't work and I don't know why. <laughs> so I went out there and plugged it, got it going. He that regardeth the day, Here's the important. Regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. You see the common denominator is they're doing it, what they feel is right before God. It's not about the thing. It says, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Now this is, 
this verse is taken out, and there's application to it. You know, what I do does affect other people, and what you do affects other people. There's some truth to this, but in the context of this, it's saying, look at verse 8 and 9. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. In other words, we're under God. We don't die in our own... We're going to stand before God. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that He might be Lord both of the dead and living. In verse 10 through 12, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Each of us alone will stand and answer before God. That's a serious, serious thing. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. He says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. It's saying this is so serious that we're each going to stand before God. Uh, we don't need to come in and start to judge people that gets them away from their relationship with God. Whatever we do ought to promote them seeking God because they're going to have to answer for it. Each of us are going to have to answer to God individually. I know I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus in verse 14 that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Here's what Paul's saying. There's nothing in itself that's wrong. Now there's things can be wrong. But in itself, there's nothing wrong. You can eat meat. You don't have to have a dietary law. You, as long as it's given with thanksgiving. And let me just give you the point here. You better be able to thank God for it at the end. In other words, oh, I just stole a bunch of money. Thank you, God. Can you give thanksgiving? No, doesn't line up. Anything you can really truly give thanks to God, it's good. It's okay. But be careful. Because you'll make up your own little stuff to give thanks to God, which really isn't what God wanted. So we need to be careful. But you need to seek out the Lord in these things. So let me ask you folks. How often are you reading your Bible? How often are you going to church? How often are you listening? How often are you just bowing your heads and asking God to help you? How, how much, how often are you doing this? There's no excuse, I'm just telling you. There's no excuse. There's going to be no excuse for you when you stand before God. You're going to have to stand there alone by yourself, every person is. And you're going to have to answer. You say, well, I didn't know. No, you could have. You chose not to. And you're not going to have an excuse. God will tell you your sentence. God will tell you what you did, and you're not going to have any response to it. You're just going to say, yes, Lord, you are right. This is a serious matter. This is what this whole chapter is really about. 
yeah, it's not about getting our nose in, and we, we like to get in that, not to get in other people's business, and, and you know, but the whole thing is, is to get out of the way. That we don't get in between them and God. It says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. <clears throat> you all know Don McElvain, or most of you do. Well, he's a missionary. He's given his life to the Word of God and, and all these things. We came over to our house when we lived over here and we had a pool table. To him, that pool table was evil. I mean, that's how he... That was, it is wrong to have a pool table. Now, if I wanted to be a little... There's nothing wrong with that pool table in itself. The use and how you might use that pool table and bet and drink and stuff, which that's what he grew up with and that was what was in him and that was about to destroy him. To him, that was evil. I respect that. I don't go out there. I didn't take him out there. Well, let's set our, our dinner out here on the table. Come on, Don, you know, and just shove it in his face. You know, there's nothing wrong with the pool table. I'm not going to argue with him. You know, there's certain things of, of ours we need to be careful of more than, than others. Mom, as far as drinking goes, she grew up in a drunk house. She had nothing. She, that is evil. <laughs> you don't tell her any other way. You know what? Let it be. Let it be. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Interesting way this is written. Accepted of God and approved of men. I'd like to look at that approved of men. You know, we've, we've gone up to close to home before. And there's people who claim they're Christians and they're mean and nasty snots. They're not approved of men. They may be a Christian. But I tell you what, you get with your rules and your regulations and you jam it down people's throats and you make God laws and you... Work that out <laughs> and you shove that down people's throats. That's not, that's not peace and joy, understanding. You know, there may be something. There's people grow up different ways, they have different things, they're working through things. I just pray that, hey, look at the Word of God, let the Word of God adjust your thoughts. You're going to stand before Him, you're going to answer. Let me get out of the way. Let me not make you so mad and irritate people to drive them away from God. God forbid that I do that. In the book of Revelation, the first church was a church that knew right and wrong. He said, but you forgot your first love. They stood for truth and right and wrong. But they were a nasty little group. You know, and we could be a nasty little group. 
saying right and wrong and right and wrong and you can't do this and you can't do that. Hey, let's get out of the way. Let's show them the Bible. Let's preach the Bible. You answer to that. Don't answer to me. You know, that's why pastors really got to be careful not to preach at somebody. Because he's getting in the way. You don't need what I have to say. You need to know what God says. It says in verse, let's go in verse 20, or let's verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things wherewith may one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. You know, I kind of got to like balance this. I don't know how some people think or understand. I went up to close to home, and I don't have any problems, you know, playing cards with the deck of cards. To some people, that's where that came from I'm not doing it that way and and but you know what if that person over there like I forget which one it was said I didn't think you would do that then I'm not doing it I'm not getting in the way of you it doesn't matter what I believe I won't do it I don't want to get in the way of somebody else and in the way they're they're thinking so I just, some things I just don't do because, not because they're bad, I just don't want to be in the way of somebody else. Hast thou faith, it says? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You need to know God's word. You need to follow God's word. The best way you know how to do it. You need to have conviction of it and going after it. You need to have a conscience built by it. You get away from it, your conscience gets sheared, seared. It means it's insensitive to it. You need to have a hot conscience toward God's word. And then you need to have consideration for other people as you go about the work. That's what this chapter's talking about. A whole chapter built on this. I'll end with this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, there was groups way back then that started at Jesus' time, you know, doing having all these rules and things, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. 
You know, as we go through Romans chapter 14, we have a tendency to see it as a chapter showing where our nose does not belong. <laughs> we kind of like that. We like to tell people, uh, get your nose out of it. Or we have all sorts of phrases, mind your own business, you know, those sort of things. But really it's about keeping our nose where it does belong. <laughs> and in so doing, we help others to keep their nose where it belongs in that word of God, in that Holy Spirit of God speaking to you because you're going to stand before him one day. The key verse in the chapter is this, for it is, as it is written, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And it used singular, meaning you and you alone. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore, those therefores are pretty good. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> as we end this chapter 14, the pianist comes to play with heads bowed and eyes closed and God dealing in your heart. I pray the Holy Spirit is moving as only he can to direct us in your way. We waste a lot of time. We get off center so easily. And we'll get so far out there we don't realize that we're hanging by a thread. Help us to get into your word. Help us to listen to you. Help us to heed to the authorities that you've given us. Not because they're anything, but because you've authorized them. It's your man. It's your lady, your teacher, whatever it is that God's using to help you out, to understand him, to draw you closer to him, to the truth. Not what people tell you. God tells you through his word. And if we're not in his word, if we're not in his church using the assets that he's given us, you're headed for a seared conscience. You're going to believe things that aren't really true. Thank you for your attention. I pray the Lord spoke to your heart as it excites you, uh, redirects us, and helps us to be careful as we deal with others in life, that we just love them, and that we just want them to be saved. We want them to be close to God and to be learning and growing because to not is disaster. It's disaster. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word again. Let's pray for each family here in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.